lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in here today. Live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. We have a full compliment of Team Dace. Can I call you guys that? Are you, would you prefer like Scooby Gang? No. No? No. Like I'm Buffy the Vampire Slayer back in the day. No? You don't want to be the Scooby Gang? No. No? Team Dace, is that okay? I'm fine with that. You guys are okay with that? Aaron? Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. All right. So Team Dace is back. And in full effect, yo, 888-900-3393 is the number here at The Blaze. Uh, Keep it handy. We will have our Monday Town Hall coming up a little bit later on, and we're going to ask you about our latest freakout and whether or not this one is legit coronavirus. I've now got friends of mine self-quarantining themselves All right, over this. We'll get into this uh, coming up uh, in the next hour of the show. I'm sure Aaron will be talking about it here in a few minutes as well. Yeah. Uh, Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us to let us know what you think about what we think. You can try, emphasis on try, liking us on Facebook. You know, it was last March that we did that big breakdown of how Facebook had shadow banned us. We should like do an update of that. Maybe I'll do some of that later today. Sure. I'll look, some, look at some of the numbers and... And see how little we've grown on Facebook compared to like everywhere else. Because I'm just telling you right now, if, if, if this actual show was growing at the pace Facebook claims that page is growing, this wouldn't actually be a show. Except, well, it would be. It would just be somebody else's. <laughs> right? it, would be, it would be somebody else's show. If we were growing at the pace Facebook claims that that page is growing, this would be someone else's show. And who knows, maybe Facebook is right and, and, you know, we've got something coming our way in a few months we don't even know about. I'm just telling you, if we, we couldn't professionally survive growing at the rate Facebook claims we have grown the last few years. But you can try liking us over there if you're bored. Uh, you can also uh, attempt to email or, or follow us on Twitter for now. Although now apparently shortening videos is editing them out of context or something. Yeah. All right, even though you didn't change a word that the person said, that's now the uh, the new Twitter policy. And if you accurately report on the financials of a fake socialist social media uh, item, then you get locked out of your account, right? That's how yep. Twitter rolls. So yep. at some point, that crap will roll far enough downhill that it'll reach us probably as well. So let's get all the followers in on Twitter as, as, as fast as we can, at Steve Dace Show. And... You can also, if you're looking for clips of this show that you'd like to sample or share, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. We are not coincidentally. I've seen a few comments on our videos saying that people have subscribed and then found themselves having to subscribe over again or two or three times to our YouTube page. So so that's cool. You don't say. You don't say, huh? Funny how that works. Anyway, uh, we mentioned the Monday Town Hall coming your way a little bit later on. Uh, At the bottom of the hour, I want to get into and spend a few minutes talking about what's happening with the pro-life issue in the state of Tennessee. And I've got my eye on this because I was just there speaking to a lot of these people a couple of weeks ago there in the Nashville area. And because I, I think this illustrates the difference between how do we regulate this and then how do we just finally end it all right and we're going to get into that here at the bottom of the hour but before we get to all of that here is aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away what happened while we were away brought to you by toilet paper 
Those are the sights and sounds of the coronavirus as shoppers around the world look to hoard doomsday supplies, most notably toilet paper, as the coronavirus shows no signs of slowing its spread. In the United States, the death toll from the virus is sitting at 11, according to the CDC, and the number of global cases topped 100,000 late last week. A nursing home in Kirkland, Washington, is linked to at least a few deaths from the virus. It says 70 of its workers are now out with symptoms that resemble the disease. The American Conservative Union, that's the group that hosts CPAC, announced over the weekend that an attendee to the conference recently has tested positive for coronavirus. The ACU also said the attendees did not go to any events in the main hall and had no contact with President Trump. However, that attendee did have contact with the ACU's Matt Schlapp, who had contact with the president. Senator Ted Cruz announced that he shook hands with the attendee who had the virus and is self-quarantining until further notice. Global markets are starting to tumble again after oil prices took a nosedive late last week. Stock trading was halted this morning after the Dow Jones Industrial Average tumbled nearly 2,000 points. MSNBC, your thoughts? This may be Donald Trump's Katrina. Yeah, you can have to Let's just lean into that for yeah. a minute. In completely unrelated news, the Centers for Disease Control estimates that for the 2019-20 flu season, there have been between 34 and 49 million flu illnesses, around 16 to 23 million flu medical visits, 350 to 620,000 flu hospitalizations, and between 20 and 52,000 flu deaths. That's just in the United States alone. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is, coronavirus didn't kill itself. El coronavirus no se suicidó. Moving on, former Democratic presidential candidate Kamala Harris made an announcement over the weekend. I have decided that I am with great enthusiasm going to endorse Joe Biden for president of the United States. I believe in Joe. I really believe in him, and I have known him for a long time. Yes, that's the same Kamala Harris who badgered Joe Biden in an early primary debate over his position on busing policies. Joe Biden, meanwhile... Turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for, because we cannot get re-elect... We cannot win this re-election... Excuse me, we can only re-elect Donald Trump. Checking in on the Bernie Sanders campaign in Michigan. There are those who want America to return to normal. And that sounds, that sounds good. But here's the thing. Normal is actually not good enough. That's Michigan State Representative Yusef Rabai, who is donning a Planned Parenthood scarf as he speaks at a Sanders rally. It's not just America that's on the line with this election. It's the world. And I mean that in the sense both of climate change, but also of United States international policy. I think of all the innocent children, mothers, fathers who have died because American foreign policy failed this world. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez spoke at the same rally. We want to start off today, of course, recognizing International Women's Day. To all the powerful ladies and and uh, gender non-conforming femmes out there, we're here for you. In other news, you may remember Carlos Maza. He's the gay YouTuber who tried last year to essentially cancel every conservative YouTube channel in one fell swoop and nearly succeeded. He's been, as you can imagine, a huge Bernie Sanders supporter and an avowed Marxist who rails against the uber-wealthy. The New York Post published a story over the weekend regarding Maza's background and family, 
and found that his mother owns multiple multi-million dollar properties around the East Coast and is a multi-millionaire software mogul who supports Maza and paid for his way through college. The author of that story for the New York Post, John Levine, has since had his Twitter account locked. So that's something. And now an open borders update. And just to let you know, I could do stories like the following to basically every day on the montage. A 31-year-old illegal alien in Idaho has been charged in the rape of a 14-year-old girl. Authorities say Hame Galvan met up with the 14-year-old girl and served her alcoholic drinks before raping her. In Alabama, an illegal alien by the name of Jose Cruz Guillen was caught after evading arrest for child abuse and child sex crimes between 2014 and 2019. Cruz Guillen was investigated for punching his four-year-old stepson in the face in 2014 and for first-degree rape, first-degree sodomy, and sexual abuse of a child less than 12 years old in 2019. The victim in the second case was his stepdaughter. In better news, President Trump has named conservative Congressman Mark Meadows as his new chief of staff and has ousted Mick Mulvaney from that post. The February jobs report came out on Friday and showed, once again, better than expected job and wage growth in the U.S. And finally, when you're a public speaker, sometimes it's good to take a pause. Good evening, I'm Ken Bastida. Dana is off tonight. He was murdered and then set on fire while celebrating his birthday. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> A little pause there might have helped. <laughs> commas, commas, America, commas are important. That at I, least they gave him the day off, so that's nice. I, 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 hey, those 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 headlines over at Breitbart are nothing to laugh at, man. But did you see the tab above the headlines? No. Or, Slow Joe versus Socialist Sanders is one of their tabs. Come on, man. <laughs> Oh, Aaron's montage is brought to you by Rough Greens, Vita Smart, our puppy. Well, he's not a puppy anymore. He's like eight, but he's just a tiny little bichon, so we call him a puppy. It's Cap's new obsession because um, dry dog food, even the best name brands are supposed to be up there for two to three years. Mass consumption, long shelf life. Their food is often made the same way that ours is, stripped of a lot of the things we need for a healthy and well-balanced, well-balanced, I should say, a diet. And the reason why is because if they put all those healthy organisms in there, they're live cultures. The food couldn't be produced as mass uh, as it needs to be, and it won't last as long as they need it to. That's why they take out the probiotics, the prebiotics, the enzymes, the, the healthy microbacteria, et cetera. It's why we humans are buying so many supplements nowadays. Well, you know what? Same thing's happening to our pets' food, and our dogs need it as well, and that's where Rough Greens Vitasmart comes in. It is not a dog food, but a supplement to make your dog's food even better. Put all those healthy cultures right back in to your dog's food, and apparently it tastes great because our cap absolutely Absolutely inhales it every time we give it to them. So if you want to take the Rough Greens 14-day Jumpstart Challenge, you can do so today for just $14.95 and see the difference in your dog too. All right, Rough Greens, R-U-F-F is how it is spelled. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's roughgreens.com slash blaze. R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. We're going to get into the appointment of former Congressman Mark Meadows to White House Chief of Staff in the overtime today, because depending on how he plans on using this audio, this this office, or how much freedom he has to use the office, 
this is the most powerful position in the executive branch, one of us, or somebody reasonably close to us, has been appointed to, you know, I, I would say Sessions as AG would be the second closest, although I think he was a disappointment, even beyond the the collusion stuff. I, I, I think we found him disappointing just on our issues, that he wasn't you know, uh, on the front lines of a lot of our issues, the way that we had hoped when he got that job originally, right? That, that yeah. we thought at the time that was maybe the best cabinet appointment Trump made. And uh, I thought he was disappointing on our issues in terms of tone and, and aggressiveness to begin with. And then there's your whole view of how you've, you know, his recusal, you know, Mueller and all that other stuff to me was, is a separate issue. Um, but attorney general has that kind of power in the executive branch, chief of staff, absolutely does and we're going to get into what it may or may not mean today in the overtime uh, blaze tv.com slash steve dace is how you can watch it when it gets uh, recorded and then posted later today if you're already a subscriber cool it'll be there for you right there later today if not go to blaze tv.com slash dace and you can subscribe for a discount right there at blaze tv.com slash dace today let's get to the rest of what's in Aaron's montage. And do you guys know any famous socialists that are poor? I mean, essentially, who, what's this guy's name again? Carlos Maza. Maza. He's basically Bernie Sanders. Uh, a guy who's just make, who's a multimillionaire, get, you know, uh, eat the rich, multimillionaire type. I mean, isn't that, isn't that the case with all these people? They all like have, they work in academia with tenure where they never have to face like an open market for their services. They are on some kind of government pension. I mean, is there, is there any, I mean, this isn't a hundred years ago where like socialist Eugene Debs was starting the modern union, you know, movement in America from a, from his garage. All right. How, I mean, this is, we have been talking about this actually. Now, now Maza is a fraud. All right. But He's emblematic of his generation. I've been making this point a lot the last few weeks. I think it bears resetting it again. Aaron's generation is not signing up for this because they're looking outside while Fiddler on the Roof is playing in their, in, in, in their shanty, in their, in their shantyville, and they're looking outside their one, their one egress window in their, in their shanty. Okay, when, when, and the Kremlin's over there and Rasputin's hosting orgies across the street and they look out and see all these bread lines at St. Petersburg Square. That's not what's happening here. They're all spoiled. They're sitting on a university campus with student loans or scholarships or somebody else paying their tuition or they're deferring it with a student loan that'll eventually get uh, debt forgiven anyway. Let's all let's be honest about that. That's coming sooner rather than later. Regardless of who wins the next election, that's coming at some point. They this is perpetual adolescence. It's the putting off of adulthood. It's the it's the not having to face any consequences for my decisions and pawn them off on somebody else. That's the attraction to this. They're not attracted to this. You, you know, I don't know that you've been here a lot in the last week when I've been hammering this point home, Todd. This is not a generation that is driven to this because they see suffering and squalor. This is a religious crusade. And, and the Carlos Maza types are your televangelists of this. Just, just Jim Bakers of socialism, frauds. 
What's Baker's new thing that he's selling? Uh, yeah, cure for coronavirus. Cure for coronavirus. Okay. They're the Creflo dollars of this. How many times you heard me say over the years, man, if you're turning on TV and you're paying for the jet plane of a quote unquote pastor whose last name is Dollar, he's trolling you at that basic level in your grill. I don't really have much sympathy for you at that point. I mean, to me, that's a, you know, stupid is as stupid does. You paid the dumb tax. You paid it. You know I mean? And you received your reward in full for funding that clown's uh, next jet plane. I mean, I mean, his name's Dollar. What did you think was going down here? Her name was Cinnamon. What did you think was going to transpire? Okay. His name was Dollar. What did you think was occurring here? Okay. All right. I mean, the Carlos Mazas are the, are the Creflo Dollar Jim Bakers of, of, of millennial socialism. They're frauds. They're all frauds. They're just making huge bank off of you. Because this is your religious vision quest. You, you want this stuff to be true. And you desire it to be true. And so you're a lemming. And I don't have much sympathy for you. I don't. Should I? No. no. Good. Your thoughts, Todd? They're like the... They're like a Lindsay Lohan, but who's just read a couple really bad books and have taken them all the way to the bank or like the um what's the scan the um the the, the pair the really rich parents the full house chick who's now in trouble for trying to get her daughter oh, Lori Laughlin. i mean yeah. yeah it's 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 yeah. a scam on this level which is uh it, it's and it's part and parcel of the iconoclasm that i've uh often talked about uh you you've been so we talk about the it, it, you have to in, live in the west and all of its luxuries and be protected by the growth that has accounted for segments like you to feel no accountability to yeah. it no connection to having yeah. the people that created it to be so insulated by consequences of your actions to behave in such a fashion and get away with it as long as you have. That's the troubling thing about this. We can get away with our various cancers for so much longer because of our, it's the gated community effect. It doesn't mean we don't have cancer. We just get away with it longer. Sooner or later, the bill is going to come. Yeah. And there's, I mean, I think maybe the, the same type of question to ask is, I mean, is there is there a famous socialist whose economic presence isn't in and of itself a loss leader for somebody else? And the answer to that question no. is no. Other than Bernie Sanders' books that he sold, the rest of his economic presence is a loss leader because for his basically his entire working career, he's been what? He's been a ward of the taxpayer because that's where he takes his, his, his money from. And Carlos Maza is no different. I mean, he's just a loss leader for his mom and her fiance who's even richer than she is so that's i mean that's that's the be all end all and why again it comes back to why what the conversations we had last week steve is that bernie sanders is not the driver here he is he is just the icon of the religious movement yeah he is just the icon of yep. the religious movement that's driving him. That's 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 the that's the crux here, and it's driven by largely by my generation, who, for one reason or another, think that this that think that this religion is aspirational. Whether it's because they're soft or whether it's because he he represents 
he represents the most danger to the system that they loathe. That's that's what's driving him. And that's again, it's a, it's a reminder. If you can parlay just in and of itself, I'll say this really, really quick, just in and of itself, the Carlos Mazas and the Bernie Sanders hypocrisy uh, in this movement, that's not going to do anything for these people. But if you can parlay in that into into a conversation about human nature, that's where you make your that's where you make your good arguments. That's where you make your moral arguments against mm-hmm. socialism. I, I don't really I'm not holding out much hope that there's people in with large platform, larger platforms that can actually do that. But that's where you can actually make some inroads. I think the the juxtaposition now that you see with Sanders and Biden and and the forces that have elevated Biden and and the spirit of the age behind Sanders. I think this is this ties into this conversation that we're having. When, you know, just, I didn't, you know, I didn't know Jesse Jackson was still, you know, above room temperature until yesterday when he came out and endorsed uh, Bernie Sanders. I have no idea what kind of juice he has. Michigan's the kind of state tomorrow night you'll find out if he has any juice at all because it would be in his wheelhouse demographically. But he's like the only retread, has been washed up endorsement that Sanders has, right? If you look at the people that speak at Bernie Sanders' rallies, they're all demonstrably younger than him. When you look at who comes out for, and, and so this is a matter of conviction to them. When you, he is, he is an icon, an avatar. He's not, he think he probably believes he's the one driving this and, and, and he is not. It's driving him. So I talked about on Friday. If you look at Biden, people that are in this for the political craftsmanship, um, the traditional shake the system down, that's who's behind him. And it's, it's largely generational. I mean, until post or pre super Tuesday last week, when Buttigieg and Globachar dropped on the same day for Biden, who was coming out here to try to save his candidacy? John Kerry, Jim Clyburn. I mean, these are our old governor, Tom Vilsack, who used to serve in the Clinton administration. Who are these people? They're from a bygone era. And the fact that after 20 some odd candidates ran, think about this, of various demographic persuasions, after 20 some odd candidates ran, the two left standing are a guy who is, I think, at the cutting edge. He is the herald here. He's the, as I've, I've drawn this analogy, he is the John the Baptist. He is the odd duck sentinel from it, crying out from his lake house, make a crooked path for the coming religion of state. Like that speaker that you played with the Planned Parenthood scarf in mm-hmm. Michigan, that's aspirational religious thinking is what he's articulating. He thinks they're holding a revival there. We're going to change the world, man. We don't want to return to normalcy. This is transformational. You know, the way that a Christian sees their faith is a transformation. It's, it's a transformational experience. That's what they're communicating. And so the two candidates left were the individual who embodies that spirit of the age and then a guy who cannot, on most days, communicate uh, really on a cogent level at all, has dementia. Now, everybody's saying that. We started saying that on this show like five or six months ago, okay? And we weren't joking about it then. 
We're not joking now. We're serious. This is dementia or early on or onset Alzheimer's. It's always, it always looks like this. If you had it in your family and I would bet every one of us has, it looks like this. Even the thing where he was going on and on insistent that about his experience with the Chinese premier. Remember that last month? And it was the guy who was in charge of China back in the 90s. Do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Isn't that what, what, what your grandparents do when they've got dementia and Alzheimer's? Is, is they are insistent on details that were once true but aren't true now. But they, but they conflate these eras, right? Sure. These are all the symptoms and signs. And we all know it. They know it too. That's why they're not talking about it. And And... If Joe Biden has a good night tomorrow night in the next round of primaries, and especially if the the mini Super Tuesday on the 17th is mini Super Tuesday, so a week from tomorrow, if he if he rolls that day, especially get ready, get ready for March 8th, starting March 18th, it'll be racist yep. to point out that the straight old white male who cannot remember who he is or what, what he's doing most days or who's standing next to him or what year it is or what date it is or what his name is and what Obama's name is or whether he's trying to defeat Trump or reelect him. Okay. Get ready for the fact calling that guy with clear dementia, dementia, uh, that's going to be considered racist. And, and, and that'll, that'll begin that, that Overton window will begin slamming shut. I'm guessing if the next two Tuesdays go well for him sometime around March 18th is, is when that will begin. Okay. Um, now I think everybody knows the Trump team won't care about that. I mean, how they'll, they'll, they'll make commercials. We're running against dementia 2020 guys. I mean, I, I think you guys know that the Trump team won't play that, but that's, that's coming your way here shortly. The fact that he was all they had left to pin all their hopes on to stop and hold this spirit of the age back from taking over their party. And yeah, everybody wants to keep saying, well, Sanders, he gets the same percentage like in all these primaries except for the Nevada caucus. He pretty much gets the same percentage and that's actually true. And so they're saying, there's really not that many people that are into this. Well, yeah, but I think that you're, you're that actually speaks towards the strength of their movement, not the weakness. The fact that this group of people is so committed to using your party as a vehicle for this, that they have pushed their way this far, speaks to their strength and your weakness, not the other way around. And and it goes to something I've told you on this show for years. In history, all wars... And this is a form of warfare that's happening in the Democratic Party between these two forces right now. All wars have eventually been won by the side that had had the most righteous conviction in its own cause. Sometimes it happens immediately. Sometimes it takes generations. But eventually, eventually wars are won by the side that has the most conviction in the righteousness of its cause. We're going to leave Afghanistan, and I'm all for it. We should have already left. We should have left Art Modell style, backed up the Mayflower vans in the middle of the night, not cut any treaties, and just got the blank out. I'm all for that, okay? But, but let's also not lie to ourselves. and let's be, Assume you're being lied to, let's not lie to each other, okay? The reason we're leaving is the Taliban wants that country a hell of a lot more than we do, right? That's really why we're leaving, right? Sure. And the people there would rather give it to them than give it to us. Ultimately, that, that's why we have to go. They'd rather be run by the Taliban, frankly. So, okay. I mean, after a while, you kick the dust off your sandals and you you move on to the next town. 
I mean, Ho Chi Minh rather wanted South Vietnam, frankly, more than we did. Okay. We wanted Yorktown and Lexington and Concord and Bunker Hill and Trenton. Uh, we wanted them more than the Redcoats did. That's why we won that one. In the end, the side that believes that in most in the righteousness of its own cause wins every time. Okay. You know, proto versions of the Taliban and Osama bin Laden beat back the Soviet Red Army in the 70s and 80s because they wanted the spider holes of Afghanistan more than the Soviets did too. And in the end, you can see by the lack of energy and the lack of resolve and the, the lack of charisma, despite the multitude of numbers. I mean, hey, if you're a Christian, 110 people max are sitting in an upper room, man, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. They change the world, right? Every time the side that believes in the most conviction of the righteousness of their cause wins. There's no conviction. The, this Biden thing is transactional. It may ultimately win this primary. But what's propelling Bernie Sanders, that guy is not taking off his Planned Parenthood scarf because Bernie Sanders retires from politics or doesn't win the primary. And he's in the state legislature in Michigan. That's not a nobody. That's where the energy is. That's where the charisma is. And they're going to win out. Whether it's in this primary or the next, they're going to win. We're going to talk the pro-life battle and conviction. Looking at the state of Tennessee next. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. Coming up next hour, our Monday Town Hall. We will open up the phone lines and check in on social media on your thoughts on the threat level for coronavirus. Are you buying into this? And if so, why? If not, why? Um, what, if any, changes are you making in your own life uh, as this story continues uh, uh, to grow? We'll get into that next hour of the program. But I want to want to spend a few minutes talking about um, a guy named David Fowler, who is essentially uh, our buddy Bob Vanderplas is off today. David Fowler is, for lack of a better description, the Bob Vanderplas of Tennessee. Right? He's like their their main um, pro family group leader down there, and it was his group that had me come down and speak in the Nashville area a couple weeks ago now. And you might recall that. We got connected with them shortly after, what was this, like maybe two years ago now. And they had a full Republican legislature, Republican governor. Uh, and this one is, was supposedly uh, Governor Lee uh, better, much better in the life issue than, uh, than uh, Haslam was, the, I think his predecessor. He was more of your corporatist type. And so they were going to go full bore on the life issue. And National Right to Life sent their um, uh, their pit bull down there to try to stop them from doing it. And I've, I talked at the time about every, when I was heavily involved with uh, personhood on a national level or the idea of, or life at conception, whatever you want to call it. When I was heavily involved at that, at the national level, we went into 
um, five or six states, and in every state we went into, two groups opposed us every time. The the, the archdiocese did every single time, and um, uh, National Right to Life did every single time. Every place we went, they opposed us. And the reason being, well, there's two reasons why. One is is Gaston Mooney, one of our mucky mucks here at the blaze. And he used to serve on Capitol Hill as the, as uh, I think chief of staff for Jim DeMint and kind of ran was his liaison to conservative movement media figures on Capitol Hill and ran a lot of that stuff for him. When, when Jim DeMint was in the Senate, he said they used to call it uh, amongst the conservative senators. They used to call it quote, big baby. Where like, they would like convince them not to do and more aggressive or, or, uh, principled pro-life stuff because they were just more interested in raising money off of it. That That's part of it. The other part of it, though, is I think, um, like, I think that might be national right to life's issue on a political level. I, I don't, having, ha, having had conversations with members of archdiocese over the years about this, the, the, the Catholic church isn't lacking for money. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's it. I don't think this is a fundraising thing. I think this is a philosophical thing. And the, and the philosophical thing is really comes down to this question. What is the law? And as a follow-up, where does the law come from? That I think a lot of, and I, I, I've seen this over the years work its way into evangelicalism as well, by the way. I think a lot of Christendom believes in a legal theory that is, has sometimes been known as what's called legal positivism. And much like stare decisis, they will not, they will tell you that what I'm going to tell you is the definition of this is not the definition, but it is like, it may not be the textbook definition, but if you look at the way they carry it out, right, you know, a tree by its fruit, do you know a tree by its trunk? No, no. You know, a tree by its fruit. Okay. So they may, they may tell you that that's not what it means. And that's not the textbook definition, but ultimately you, the fruit that it produces says that that is what it means. Like they will tell you if you get into law school and you tell them stare decisis means that everything any judge says at any point in time is the law. And there's nothing people can do about it except obey it. Any edict. No matter what it is, no matter how immoral, how silly, it's the law. They will tell you that's nonsense. And they'll laugh you out of law school like John Houseman laughed you out of the paper chase back in the day. Except if you look at the way we run our country, is that really that's really the definition, right? It is. Anything a judge says, no matter how dumb, how wicked, how immoral, how stupid, vapid, vapid, banal, banal, no matter what it is. It's just the law and there's nothing we can, I'm like, nothing we do, courts have spoken. That, so you can tell me that's not the textbook definition, but you know, a tree by its fruit and that's the way we live out what stare decisis means. Similarly, legal positivism really means whoever um, has the most gold gets to make the rules. That whatever authority has is recognized, whatever human authority is recognized as being in charge determines what the law means. Man, and I've had, I had conversations with archdiocese where I would say to them, can you imagine how much easier St. Peter's life would have ended up if you just would have recognized your definition of legal positivism? If you just would have said to Nero and Diocletian and Caligula and the whole batch, you just would have said, you know what? You guys kind of have a point, you know? 
All right, man, I'll bow the knee. Caesar's Lord. Why not? I mean, you're the law. You're the law here. How many, how many fewer martyrs would we have needed if only we would have recognized legal positivism in the first and second century? Here I stand. But you make some really good points. So let's yes. meet halfway. Polycarp would a waste. Just throwing away, just throwing away 86 years or whatever he was. Burned alive. All he had to do was just bow the knee, bow the, take the knee to Caesar one time. They would have left that poor old man alone. Faster than you can say slow Joe, right? What a, what a stupid decision that was. Now they will tell you, well, that's not so, it is. When you look at the way they carry out what they believe. I, I mean, I, I thought y'all over there on the Catholic side were all into the uh, faith without works is dead, right? Well, if I look at the way you work this thing out, the way that you're communicating this to me and to the world is that ultimately what the Supreme Court says is the law. The Supreme Court is the supreme being. But you know what? I started having conversations with major leaders in American evangelicalism as well. You know, the Sola Scriptura folks. Huh. Same exact thing was going on. In the end, whatever the Supreme Court says, that's what we do. It's why Father Frank Pavone, a guy who was laying down over railroad tracks to stop abortions before, you know, you and I knew what an abortion was. He goes to states now and like advocates for uh, euthanizing or I'm sorry, anesthetizing babies before they're aborted to take the pain away. I'm serious. I'm not making that up. That's true. Because ultimately it comes down to you think this is a government by the government for the government, not the people. And that unelected judges determine what the law is. And, and we as believers just have to cut the best deal we can. And you're going to see this play out here in what I'm about to read to you. Were you going to say something there before well, I move on? This argument was used uh, in, regarding King Davis amongst people yes. you respect. Yeah. I mean, one of my, I mean, a guy that I go to for a source for I know. my That's apologetics. That's Okay. One of my buds, we got into this several years ago when that story was going on. He wanted her to resign. I'm like, resign for what? Keeping her oath of office? Man, imagine, uh, dude, the apostle, you mean, you mean to tell me that John didn't have to get boiled in acid and exiled to Patmos? He could have just resigned. He could have just said to see, you know, I had to resign. I'm going to resign. No low contender, I'm out. Could have just resigned. Polycarp could have just resigned. There's an apocrypha about all this somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Ultimately, it is because we are, we, we do not believe in the laws of nature and nature's God that we founded this republic on, we believe in the laws of man. That's why I love Letter from a Birmingham Jail so much. Because it is Martin Luther King Jr. rebuking liberal white Protestant ministers who want him to obey the segregation laws and wait for the courts to decide like they did on Brown versus Board of Education. And he said, I'm not waiting for one court precedent We've been waiting 400 years. We're not, we're done waiting. We want the laws of nature and nature's God. We want what Augustine said. Any man-made code that doesn't square with the law of God is to be opposed because it is no law at all. We want that. That's what we want. And he quotes Augustine, Blackstone, Aquinas, all the, you know, people have throughout history that have kind of fleshed out what is a Christian 
or, or, or biblical understanding of civic law and its purpose and origins, and then also its limits and jurisdictions. And this is played out in what I'm going to read to you here for the next few minutes. David Fowler writes, Governor Lee's abortion legislation sailed out of the state Senate Judiciary Committee this week. This coming, uh, or, or this coming Tuesday, that's tomorrow, both the governor's proposal and the Rule of Law Life Act will be on the calendar for discussion in the House Health Subcommittee in Tennessee. If you are pro-life, you need to know the differences between these two types of proposals. While substantially different in their content and approach, the difference between the two bills is not in the motivation of their respective opponents. In the Senate Judiciary's abortion legislation hearings last summer, we had a professor said it well, quoting Blackstone's, there's that name again, who's William Blackstone? He's the guy that essentially created the, the British common law system that was the foundation of our own legal system. Men Jefferson, all the great uh, the lawyers of, of, of the founding of the country were all educated by Blackstone's commentaries on the laws of England. And one of the things Blackstone says, quoting from Aquinas, who was quoting from Augustine, any man-made code that doesn't square with the laws of nature and nature's God. If you wonder where we got that phrase, it's from that guy. Okay. We didn't just, Jefferson just like make it up. Wasn't eloquent. All right. He got it from that guy. Any man-made code that doesn't square with the laws of nature and nature's God is not the law. And, and, and you have a civic duty to oppose it because it's immoral on its face. Can, can I comment on that? It's, yep. n- it's not just pretty language. That's really important. It's scientific in its use. I mean, it's, it's both. It is beautiful, but it's meant to be very specific. And we used to think rationally and reasonably. People have hijacked that term now. But you're dead on. It meant to point to something that was as clear as the sky is blue and the grass is green, which is why we must do it. Otherwise, it's insane. Yes. And this college professor that they had come to Tennessee Quotes from Blackstone, and here's a quote. Life is the immediate gift of God, a right inherent by nature in every individual. So right there, you see a reference to the laws of nature and nature's God. Life is the immediate gift of God, a right inherent by nature in every individual. According to the chief deputy to the governor and the governor's legal counsel, the purpose of the governor's legislation is to, quote, test the limits of current Supreme Court precedent while also allowing us to achieve in one instance the most protective provisions under state law that a court would approve, unquote. That sounds good, but notice the huge concession that is being made. Its proponents are conceding that the U.S. Supreme Court's current precedent, Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, is equal to the words of the U.S. Constitution, and those precedents set the constitutional standard by which constitutionality of all abortion legislation should be evaluated. Amen. Maybe put it in another context. It's essentially saying the Dred Scott decision is equal to the Constitution and all notions of the human rights of black people in America should be not equivocated to the Fifth Amendment, which says all persons, no person shall be denied life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Instead, the Fifth Amendment, which is in the Bill of Rights, should be overridden by the Dred Scott opinion that black people are property. Or Plessy versus Ferguson, which came in 1898. This argument that the governor of Tennessee is making is saying 
maybe a governor in ten place like Tennessee would have made this argument a hundred years ago, would have said the thir- the 14th Amendment, which says equal protection under the law for all persons, which is a derivative of the Fifth Amendment. No person shall be denied life, liberty, or property without due process of law. We, we, we ignore all of that, and we now have separate but equal because the Supreme Court's ruling on Plessy versus Ferguson in 1898 was equal, equal, or above the U.S. Constitution. That's the same argument that David Fowler is making in Tennessee. That's what the governor of Tennessee is making. He's right about that. And in letter from a Birmingham jail, that the precedent that Birmingham, you want to know what precedent Brown versus Board of Education overcame? Plessy versus Ferguson in 1898. It took them 56 years. 1954 was Brown versus Board of Education. It took them 56 years to overturn a Supreme Court precedent in 1898 that was in clear violation of the 14th and 5th Amendments of the U.S. Constitution, in clear violation of it. Instead of just simply saying to the court, like Abraham Lincoln said in Dred Scott when he issued the Emancipation Proclamation, appreciate your opinion, and that's all it is. I'm the president. That's hot garbage. I'm, I'm not doing that, but thank you. We should have done that with Plessy versus Ferguson. And you wouldn't have needed, think of, think of 56 more years, how much injustice, inequality we allowed in the Jim Crow segregation South and how that filtered into the bloodstream of all of America. That's more than a half a century because they took one court opinion, Plessy versus Ferguson, and treated it like the Constitution itself, just as we have done with Roe versus Wade. And it's almost a half century there. I know. I was born the year of Roe versus Wade, 1973. What the governor of Tennessee is saying is that he is a legal positivist. He is saying that even though he, in his oath of office, it said to faithfully execute and uphold the laws of the United States. He is going to not do that, but is going to faithfully execute an execution order from an unelected tribunal 47 years ago as if it is the law. And he's going to challenge it in a way that doesn't actually challenge it. These are the same arguments segregationists made a half century ago in America, and it's the same arguments Um, slavery advocates made a century and a half ago. All the same arguments. All the same arguments. No government official has ever taken an oath of office to uphold a court opinion as the law. It's never happened in the 240 plus years of this republic. But yet that's exactly what they're doing. And it's one thing if the governor of Tennessee says, hey man, I'm not, I, I'm, I can't go out there. I'm not going to order the National Guard to board up the last three Planned Parenthood clinics in Tennessee and start a war. Okay, right? We're not asking them to be unreasonable. But then, if, but how about if you're going to challenge it? Challenge, then challenge it. Assert your authority as the governor of that state on behalf of all the people that voted you into that office who didn't vote for a single one of those damn nine Supreme Court justices up there now, nor any of the seven that gave us Roe versus Wade 47 years ago. 
Assert your authority. Represent the interest of the people of the sovereign state of Tennessee. Challenge it then. If you're going to challenge it, then challenge it. You don't have the stones or don't think it's right to just unilaterally undo it. Now, if I was governor of any or all states, I would. Because Steve Dace don't give a care. What do you get? Tweet. I don't care. I was raised by Dave Dace. You'd have to do far worse than your tweets. And I don't care what Nicole Wallace says on MSNBC. I don't, I don't care. But I get it. I'm a unique breed. Okay. And if it, hey, if you first you don't succeed, lower your expectations, right? I get it. Fine. But if you're going to challenge it then, if you're going to use the system that gave it to us to challenge it, then at least challenge it. At least challenge it. And if you're acknowledging Roe versus Wade as the supreme law, you're not challenging it. And so this is a question we have to ask as a movement. Do we want to regulate this and permit it? Or do we wish to end it? I am sure, I am sure God will appreciate our efforts to work within the very system that gave us this child sacrifice and, and not hold us accountable generationally at all for our half-year-ended efforts, our lukewarm efforts. I'm sure he won't spit them out of his mouth at all. I'm sure he'll feel very honored. We're back, hour two, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. If you are listening to the podcast today, by the way, please feel free to uh, leave us a five-star review if you like what we do here on the Steve Day Show. The more of those we get, the more it helps to grow the program, and more likely we get to continue doing it for you, the people. Thank you to all of you that have left us those five-star reviews as well. But this hour is set aside for you, the people. It is our weekly Monday town hall. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. If you want to email in your thoughts at D-E-A-C-E. You can let us know what you think as well via Facebook. We got some comments there. We'll get to in this hour. Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And Twitter is actually where I want to begin because I put this poll up before we went on the air this morning and the, the results are now in. We asked you which REM song best describes your coronavirus threat level. It's the end of the world as we know it. 19.8% of you said you're there. Shiny, happy people, you can't even be bothered with this. 21.8% of you said you're there. But a clear majority of you, 58.3% of you, at least of our Twitter following, said you're at what's the frequency, Kenneth? You don't know what to think. You don't know where, the, where, where this thing is headed or where it is at. And that's the question we're going to ask you here in this hour. What is your personal threat level with coronavirus? And why? What changes have you made or not made in your own life as it pertains to this story? A friend of mine I used to work for, Ted Cruz, is quarantining himself after being exposed to somebody with coronavirus at CPAC last week. He's not alone. Not alone. I think a member of, another member of Congress is doing this now too, right? Yep. Concerned about, uh, yeah, uh, concerned about the amount of their constituents that they interact with and spreading it to them, for example. 
Okay. Um, you know, LeBron James was asked last week, hey, the NBA's got contingency plans about, you know, not having fans at games. What do you think of that? And LeBron's like, I'm not playing at games without fans. That's the whole point of this. Okay. I mean, we've got people are talking about is, are the Olympics in danger in Tokyo later this year? Uh, the NCAA tournament later this month, one of the maybe the second biggest sporting event in America, other than the Super Bowl, um, is are we going to have, you know, to evacuate, play empty buildings there? Uh, the Big Ten has its basketball tournament this weekend. For whatever reason, the Big Ten network is sending play by play and camera crews to cover it, but not the studio team because of coronavirus. Are the, are, are, is the studio team more susceptible? Uh, than the than the guys on the uh, doing play by play, I don't understand that. <laughs> okay, doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, but okay, whatever you know. Um, we've we've got conflicting reports about how much to be panicked and how much not to. So, what do you think? Where are you at with this? Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number. 888-900-3393. Let, let me begin with my own thoughts, and you are welcome to agree or disagree. I am nowhere but annoyed. I am, I am, I am nowhere but annoyed. Um, I acknowledge that this is a thing. I'm treating it like, it, it, to me, it's just an extension of the flu season. Like, we would normally be wrapping it up right about now especially when we had you know, like a 70 degree day here in the Midwest yesterday. We'd normally be wrapping it up. All the snow is, is pretty much gone here in this part of the Midwest. So Puxitani Phil was right. We did get an early thaw this year. So this would normally be the time you'd be more concerned about having an earlier allergy season than ever before, right? Noah and I were out throwing the football around yesterday. We even saw some early budding on a couple of our trees. Wow. You can hear the birds chirping, right? So you'd, be, you'd normally be thinking, man, it's going to be, you know, we're going to go right from winter to allergy season if we're going to be this warm, right? Okay. So how I'm handling it is I'm just extending flu season a little bit longer. I'm just, you know, using a little bit. I'm, you know, I'm more, I'm staying consistent with hand sanitizer like I do this during the cold and flu season. Um, and that's about it, man. Um, in, in all the time you guys have worked with me, how many sick days have I taken? There were a couple days I took last year when I was having heart palpitations because I was drinking too much caffeine, right? actual sick days yes but so there were there was those two days last year that i took um i don't don't recall off the top of my head but other than that uh, is that almost it that's true of all three of us we hardly had to take any sick days yeah i mean i I take in a i've never had a flu shot i'm not like against them um i know i got a flu shot this year because he got it not once but twice but he's going to a regular school now so he's exposed more than ever before so that's why we did it but i've never had a flu shot i do however Take an obscene amount of vitamin C and vitamin D every single day. Like when you buy the supplements and on the back of the thing, it says one of these chewables is, you know, 250% of the vitamin C you need in a day. I chew like three or four of those every day. And then on the, one of those little gel caps, vitamin D says like 200% of the vitamin D you every day, you need every day. I take like nine or 10, you know, but I, I, I was, I do that every day year round. Anyway, I was doing that, you know, uh, before, People started asking Weird Al Yankovic to do My Corona as a parody song. <laughs> All right. I was doing that before. And I, you know, that's about it. I'm just, you know, treating it like more of a, flu, it's a longer flu season to me. Um, I don't buy any of this panic. I don't. I, I And if you do, I'm happy to hear your reasons why. But I, I've just... And I, and I, and I could be wrong. 
All right. I could be wrong. You know, I used to say this about global warming. I tried giving that, I tried being objective with global warming. You probably remember that. There was a couple of years I, I tried, man. And I'd bring people on my show when it was a local show back then that were advocates of this, you know, and I'm like, man, Newt Gingrich was talking about it at the time, right? He was doing those ads with John Kerry or Nancy Pelosi. Yes. Was it on like, the couch? Is yeah. That I'm like, maybe yeah. there's more to this than I thought, you know? So I'd bring people on and I'd ask them questions like, hey, you're a Darwinist, right? And they'd always, what do you think the answer always was? Well, yeah. I'm like, well, I don't understand if why you would care about this then. I mean- if this is anthropomorphic, meaning it's human induced and we're causing the, the, the environment to react in a way that is hostile to our natural habitat. Why wouldn't this just be natural selection at work then? What, what? Good old th herd thinning, right? Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't the ecosystem have just determined that we're, the, the eons of homo sapiens being at the top of the food chain here is no longer conducive to the future of this pale blue dot. So it's evolving in a way that is unselecting us and some other, some other beings no. that will, that will, that will appreciate the new humidity and the new heat and, and the, the, the further exposure, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, you know, a greenhouse, uh, environment, those species will now, uh, flourish and be at the top of the food chain. Why isn't this I, just natural selection? I, you know, no offense, Steve. I, I just don't find that argument very, very compelling. Instead, I think we should we should come up with an argument that argues against how much the Green New Deal would cost and maybe name it the Green Real Deal or something like there that. There you go. Yeah. Of course, I never got good answers to those questions, as you might imagine. And I used to even say, man, I used to say on my show back then, hey, I don't want to be the one, all the scientists on Krypton that didn't listen to Jarrell before it was too late. So I'll listen. And you know what I found is there were some there were some legitimate concerns, but the vast majority of the concern level was driven by ideology. But this was just made over Marxism. But that's really what it was. It was just this was a way to repackage Marxism. And that's why you see him go after emissions in the United States. We're like the cleanest of any industrialized nation in the world, by the way. That's not using nuclear, which we should, but that's a whole other topic. Okay. Um, and, and China, you know, where Mike Bloomberg wishes he couldn't live. Um, they're like the worst and they don't go after them, but they go after us. They don't go after India, which is terrible in this area, which also has, you know, a caste system that oppresses people, but I digress. No, they go after us. Why do they go after us? Because it's, that's why they changed it from global warming to climate change. It's This is really an ideological thing. It's some science, some legit concern, mostly ideology is what I learned. That's why I stopped treating it fairly and objectively because it wasn't. It wasn't fair and it wasn't objective. And that's kind of how I feel about this. Um, I mean, I, I mean, every winter, right? It's going to be the worst snowstorm ever in Washington, D.C. We get one of those every winter yeah. or New York. And then, you know, like it's not that bad. Why do they do that in New York and Washington, D.C.? Well, where, where's all the media live? Where's all the, there. the system live? Where's the swamp live? There. So th they're concerned about their life. That, that's why they don't, you know, care so much about what the snowfall is like in Moscow, Idaho, because they don't live there. So screw you. I've been through swine flu, H1N1, SARS, uh, 
um, bird flu, um, Y2K. Remember when sequester was going to end us? Sure. Yeah, because we 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 stopped. We reduced the rate of deficit spending. We like didn't we didn't cut the deficit at all. Actually, we didn't reduce spending. We just cut the rate of of deficit spending by like three percent or something. So I mean, we were still you know basically it's a it's 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 Quentin Tarantino didn't reduce the amount of F-bombs in, a, in an existing movie. He just promised in the next movie, he wasn't going to add as many as he originally was planning on. That's what, that's what the sequester was. I, Quentin Tarantino was like, All right, I got to put 42 more F-bombs in my next movie. All right, we're going to put more F-bombs in it. It's just going to be like 32 more. That, that's what the sequester, that was going to end us. That was going to end it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm net neutrality. I was going to shut down the internet. That was going to end everything, right? Net neutrality was. Remember those days? Yeah. The Trump tax cuts killed us. I've just I've been through this over the last twenty years. How many times? Too many is the answer. So I'm not buying any of this. The flu is bad. It kills anywhere from fifty to sixty thousand people in America every single year. This might be a, a, a particularly, you know, um, savage strain of it. So don't be dumb. You know, take a bath, man. Wash your hands. Make sure you've got plenty of healthy vitamins and minerals and nutrients. Eat healthier. You know, I mean, exercise. But if you think wearing a surgical mask, I saw a bunch of those flying to uh, Nashville and back a couple weeks ago. Bunch of people wearing those. If you think if you think that's going to save you, come on, man. Let me guess. You're donating to Creflo Dollars Ministry too, right? And Carlos Massa is going to uh, help the proletariat rise up too, right? Come on, man. Sheeple much? A lot, as a matter of fact. That's your answer. So that's where I am at. I'm annoyed. I'm sick of the story already. And I think this is all a gross over-exaggeration. And I think what is driving it almost exclusively is if you go back to our very first show of the year and I laid out my 10 predictions of this year. And what was one of my top predictions? That given the weakness of the democratic field, the same forces that colluded and conspired to inundate us with hoaxes and collusion mythologies and folklore uh, of the last three years, were going to do whatever they could to tank the economy and American confidence. That's what I think is driving most of this. That's what I think is driving almost all of it, as a matter of fact. Now, maybe I'm wrong and you disagree. The floor is now yours. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. You know, this is a good segue to saying, hey, you know, this is, I'm not selling a coronavirus cure here, but a good way just to be generally healthy Similar to who has more abortions? People who had hookup one night stands or married couples. Who has more abortions? Hookup one night hook stands. Hookup one night stands. Does that mean that every hookup one night stand leads to an abortion? It does not. It does not. Does that mean that marriage means that you're never going to have to ever confront the evil of abortion? Is that what it means? Is it a cure? No. Uh, no. No. But does it mean by and large, if you, if you practice one form of living, versus another are you more or less likely going to avoid 
one of the most tragic circumstances in American culture today. Far more. Far more. Similarly, if you eat better, you will be healthier. Like the average American doesn't eat nearly as many fruits and vegetables as they're supposed to. My kids aren't any different than yours. I, I can't get Noah to eat vegetables. Okay. Noah thinks Cocoa Puffs are a vegetable. All right. That's why I give him terrible segue here, but this is why I give him every day field of greens. That's why he puts it in his drink every day. That's why I do it. Now I, I, I didn't send him to school today with his tea and telling him, Hey, make sure you drink this. So you don't get coronavirus. That's not what I did. Okay. My name's not Jim Baker. I'm not selling snake oil. That's not what's going on here. All right. But, but you know what I wanted him to do before I knew what a coronavirus was three months ago? Do you know what I told him to, to drink every day and take, and I, I made for him to take to school every day? What was it? What we're selling. What now. we're selling. What we're selling now. Why? Because it was cold and flu season. Because he doesn't eat right. Because he's a teenage boy. Okay. Because he doesn't want to eat his fruits and vegetables. Okay. So again, these are things we should just do all the time. All the time. So that we don't have to fall prey to whatever the latest sheeple craze is. All right. So if you want to try Field of Greens, just put it in any water mix you want. It will, if, you're, if you tested positive for the COVID-19 virus, I don't care how much Field of Greens you drink, that's not going to make it go away. All right. That's, that's not how it works. Okay. But like if you like put healthy stuff in your body, are you more or less likely to be healthy in your body? What, what, what is it, do you think? You're more. More likely, far more likely, okay? So if you want to give this a shot, BrickHouseSteve.com, you can uh, go today and get 15% off of your first order with the offer code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. That's BrickHouseSteve.com. And if you decide to sign up for a, a subscriber shipment, 10% uh, off every single month right now. BrickHouseSteve.com. BrickHouseSteve.com. See, I, I use stuff like this, which is why, other than when I overdosed on caffeine, which is something I don't have to have. It can be helpful, but I was drinking it at an obscene amount of levels, okay? Other than over, making a bat, and, and by the way, was, that some, was I a victim? Was I a victim? No. No. Who made the choice to overdose on caffeine? You did. Me. So it was my own fault that I had to take a couple of days off. And those might be the only two sick days I have taken Almost in the five years you've you've worked here, it's pretty close, probably. Yeah, Why in that ballpark? Because I, I I do stuff like this. Okay, it doesn't mean now now you know what's going to happen now. All right, Ooh. I'm going to get sick next week. Right, that's what's going to happen. Yep. Okay, but it doesn't change the fact that making good decisions the last few years is why I have been able on most days to present you with the mediocrity that you have grown accustomed to. All right, do you gentlemen have any thoughts before we go to the phones? Oh, I have thoughts, as you may have guessed. But if we got people on the phones, I, I can sprinkle mine in in reaction. All right. I think that's best. Then let us begin. Let's go to Mark in Virginia to start things off here on The Blaze. Mark in Virginia, your thoughts on the threat level of coronavirus and what changes, if any, you're making in your own life in response to it. You bet. Agreement with you of the annoyance of this. Um, one of the things that jumped out at me, I read uh, Ted Cruz's statement, and the thing that jumped out to me was the fact that they will not test 
until you become symptomatic. And my understanding with this is that you can be passing and carrying the virus um, up to like a week before you are symptomatic, I think, if I know it correctly. Well, that goes to point out that this is going to spread and no barrier is going to prevent it from spreading because people don't know they have it until they become symptomatic and get tested and they've already traveled and carried it. So I think the fact that it is going to spread is is logical. And I think the fact that you're going to have more positives is logical. What I don't think is logical is that I heard a statement this morning from a person from the CDC who, I guess, developed the protocols for this, who said that um, he uh, feels he's more nervous about this than Ebola, which to me is bewildering because the general demographics of fatalities tend to be older adults, whereas the flu is both older and younger, as well as immune compromised folks. So I don't see how the fatality rate on this one is going to be nearly as virulent or high as uh, the general annual flu. So I don't know how you feel about that. That's an interesting point, Mark. Let's address it. Appreciate the phone call. Let's assume, because I don't want to be a moron, let's assume the guy at the CDC knows more biology than the three of us do times 10,000. Let's just assume that. Sure. Okay. And I use the term biology or um, physiology or whatever ology you want to use to study strains or viruses, et cetera. And I will even grant that this is more, more aggressive of a virus than Ebola in terms of its uh, makeup and the way it incubates, operates, et cetera. Here's why I think, though, it has absolutely no chance, unless we're talking of something of a biblical nature. That's possible. It is possible. We've seen God interact with cultures with such, in such ways plenty of times throughout human history. I mean, I, I can't sit here and tell you I have a biblical, we, we try to do a show from a biblical worldview and deny that there have been times God has used plagues to get people's attentions, right? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's in the record, is it not? It is indeed. Okay. So barring something of a biblical proportion, no, I don't want to say proportion, barring something of a biblical origin, and if that's what you're dealing with, then you take all the analysis we have given and throw it out the window, and all the analysis we'll, get, we'll give and throw out the window because something else is happening here beyond science. Fair? Yeah. Barring that, here's why I would be confident it has no chance to impact the West the way an Ebola has in the parts of the world where it has traditionally been incubated and metastasized because of the, the infrastructure we have culturally here. We don't have hordes of starving people, malnourished people, people that lack basic necessities, running water. This isn't Kenya, guys. Okay, it's it's not, man. This isn't this isn't Chad. It's not Sudan, guys. It's not. Okay, so that's why I'm not concerned about it on that level. I, I we the, we have a totally different totally different 
demographic, cultural. Now, now here's the problem though, progressives at a place like the CDC are going to have with my analysis or the State Department. Because for my analysis to be accurate, see, this is where we've not, see, because we're now going beyond science now. We're getting into worldview. For my analysis and assumption to be correct means that we have to acknowledge some cultures are superior to others. Cultures are not inherently the same. Civilizations are not of equal moral equivalency. Some are superior to others. If you don't come to this process with that worldview, then you're going to probably cause a panic. You know, like they're causing right now. And then it's just a matter of whether they want to cause, whether they're, whether it's a worldview bias or whether this is a narrative that they're casting, one or the other. But on a faith-based level, I'm not concerned anyway. Death rate is 100%. I checked again this morning. Death rate remains 100%. I don't go out there and do stupid stuff. I don't like tempt fate. That's why I wash my hands. We had hand sanitizer in here before coronavirus, right? Yeah. Do you guys see me using it before coronavirus? Yep. On a regular basis? Yeah. Yeah, so prudence is cool. Be yep. prudent. Maybe even be extra prudent, you know? Okay. But it, on, on a certain level, from like a apocalyptic thing, I don't believe that's how we go out anyway. Secondly, if it's like some kind of divine judgment... We won't be able to stop it anyway. And it ain't like we wouldn't have it coming, frankly, on a certain level. So um, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. On that net level, I'm not going to get all worked up about it. On a strictly civilization level, we're not Kenya. We're not Nigeria. We're a country with, uh, you know, with pampered, millionaires starting YouTube channels funded by their millionaire mamas uh, to pay homage to the Soviet Union. Okay. We got, we got plenty of discretionary time, income, infrastructure. We're fighting over hand sanitizer at Walmart, guys. In Kenya, they're like, what's a hand sanitizer? Know what I'm saying? So, this is where this is why I can debate evolutionists. I don't I don't know as much about science as much as they do. I don't know them close. But it's when they want to move beyond science, which they often they don't want to debate science. They they, they want to they want to use science as a justification for a worldview. Well, if we're going to get into worldview, I'm I, I I can play. I'm I can play. I'm pretty good at that sport. I can make the major leagues, make the show, I think. I think I make the show in that sport. I'm good at that one. And coronavirus has gone from science, in my view, to a worldview. And it did it really fast. And the main reason it did it is because I think the media wants it to. Because that's what they, like they wanted a Ukrainian phone call and Russian collusion and everything else. Because they want it to. And then what happens is you get into the academic community. 
where they're far more heavily influenced by what gets said on CNN and MSNBC than people like us are. And then you feel like you're going to have to say certain things in order to be accepted in that world, in that bubble, and not be looked at as, you know, a flat earther. And then, because what you reach is you reach the point where George Stephanopoulos thinks he can lecture arguably the greatest doctor produced by the American health care system ever, Ben Carson. You can make that. Is he on the list? Sure. Whatever you thought of him as a presidential candidate, as a, as a, as a medical professional, give me five, five. Jonas Salk, there's one. Give me five names greater than what Benjamin Carson has accomplished in the medical field from America's medical history in the history of our republic. Go. Give me five. Oh, he's on it. And the he's Demo- absolutely on and it. And the Democrats would have put him there up until Abs- about until, five years until, yeah. until, he took, until he ran for president yes. as a Republican. You're right. Like if, if, like if whenever, whenever Aaron asks us, what is your Mount Rushmore of American medical professionals? Yeah. Because... Right? Is he going to be on the, he's going to be, his face is going to be on the Mount Rushmore, right? Yeah. But George Stephanopoulos thinks that he gets to lecture Ben Carson about coronavirus. Why does he think that? Because George Stephanopoulos isn't doing science. He's doing worldview, narrative. That's why. That's why. And that's what I think most of this is. What do you think? 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. You can also email us, steve at stevedace.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. We're up against the break here in a minute. I promise when we come back, we will turn the rest of this conversation over to you. Gentlemen, about the minute we have here left, you want to throw in any shots? Am I, am I being irresponsible here? You're not being irresponsible. In fact, you're you're actually being tame. I, I've only seen one of these episodes, and I, I will go on later when we come back. But uh, based on the rest you've told, this is a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I agree. It is. That's the only episode I've Where the seen. Woman, the woman says, hey, don't touch your hands to your face while she wets her fingers and turns the pages. From the, you mean like that? That That is right out of a Black Mirror episode, something like that. Yeah. Well, that first episode where that killer gets the prime minister at England to do something absolutely heinous mm-hmm. but he was pretty confident he could what he really wanted to see what everybody else did and boy did he get to see it mm-hmm. and that's what we're looking at you saw it in Lombardy there in Italy where people are fleeing to God knows where on the chance that this thing I- I- yeah. is going to do whatever it's we've lost our minds essentially yeah. it's a story narrated by Orson Welles that's what I said on Friday the real virus is is our own psychosis yes. here all right what do you think you will get the rest of the time we will turn it over to you both via facebook and the phone lines when we come back Spring cleaning season is almost here, and this is when a lot of people get frustrated and start thinking, you know what, got to bite the bullet here, make that major purchase for the new carpeting. Before you do that, make sure you give Genesis 950 a try. It's an amazing pet stain and odor remover. Why? Because it's antibacterial components. We'll get into the padding, which is where things really uh, screw up your carpeting, because you can get it vacuumed, shampooed, and think, wow, 
It looks great. Why is it still stinking here? And it's because of the padding. And that's where Genesis 950 really shines. Helping people save money. It could be the reason that you don't have to bite the bullet and use that tax refund here this spring on new carpeting, but a family vacation instead. By the way, you can use Genesis 950 uh, to clean the entire home. Uh, you can use it on the nice stuff, the quartz and the granite in the kitchen and in the bathroom. You can use it on those grease stains in the garage. But where it really shines is with carpet cleaning and it's green as well. So it's safe for your pets and your kids. If you want to give it a shot, here's how. Go to Genesis950.com. Genesis950.com and use promo code Blaze for the discount at Genesis950.com. Uh, email. This is an interesting question from a guy who texted this to us. And all we have is his phone number. So I don't want to give that out. We said, Hey, didn't you take a day off last year because of bees? I had forgotten about that. Yes, we did do that. Did we take a day off? Was it a full day off or did you? Cause no, I, I still no. have, no, I was in another part of the building. See, Cause I still have this lower third, um, that I'm putting up on the, on, on the, on the, <laughs> Yes. You know, bottom part of the, the screen there because yeah. you were just in a different. Yeah, different I was place. I wasn't I was I was just not in this room. I mean, the room was overrun with bees. It was like a swarm, but there were like a couple of bees in here every day. And it's a close. It's a it's a it's a tight space. I am deathly allergic. That is true. OK, like I don't avoid going outside because of bees. It's a wide open space. The odds I will get stung are not high, but sitting around in here where they're flying around and if one gets irritated or agitated, that's a little bit different. It, it would be the same as if you came in here with coronavirus and it was documented that you had it. Would I let you spit in my mouth? Would, would, should I do that? Is the show that, is it, taking a turn. Hasn't yeah, it? Yes. I mean, is, should I, should, yeah, yes. Yes. Spit in my mouth. With your, in fact, spit on your hands and rub it on my face. Is that ballsy or is that just stupid? Which is that's it? That's the stupid category. Okay, that's the stupid category. And similarly, in a tight, confined space with wasps flying around, and I am allergic to them, it wasn't safe for me to be in here. Okay, I still did the show, but that was prudence, right? Yeah, yeah. I I even finished shows when they were going around. Like Aaron had to get up and like kill them in the middle of the show. Okay, but I, you know. Out in the open, I like don't I don't like walk around like John Travolta, boy in the bubble. No, I don't. I, I'm the bees. They'll get me. I've been allergic to bees my whole life. Spent plenty of time outside. All right, but in a tight, confined space, it was prudent for me to not be locked in here with a bunch of bees. Similar to, I wouldn't let a guy with coronavirus spit on his hands and wipe it all over my face. Right. Right. Other than that, though, it's totally the same thing. Don't you think? I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> Let's go to the phones. 888-900-3393. And then I want to find out what we're saying on my Facebook page as well. Let's go to Dan in Ohio. Dan, what's your threat level with coronavirus and why? Hey, Steve. Absolute pleasure to get to speak to you. Um, Thank you. I have two thoughts. Um, one, I think this is a, just a classic hope for the best, prepare for the worst kind of situation. If most people just have an ounce of preparation, they're going to feel a little less anxious. They're going to make a fewer rash decisions. They're not going to go out and buy every roll of toilet paper in the store. You know, I think people need to take a breath, follow the guidelines, have food, water, um, soap, hand sanitizer on hand, and just calm down. Um, the other point I wanted to make, I had a, an appointment at the VA today here in Columbus, and the main entrance to the VA here is a giant rotating door. Uh, 
It's you don't have to touch it. It's all automatic. So when you go in, you don't have to touch anything. Well, the VA, in an attempt to be proactive in a government sort of way, has blocked off the giant door that you don't have to touch, forcing you to come in a side door, which everybody has to touch. So right. they can herd you through a screening area and ask you if you've experienced coughing or a fever. It's just brilliant government at its, at its finest. It's like going on national television last week and, and saying, uh, Dan, don't touch your face to your or, or your mouth as you are wetting your fingers and turning the pages of the statements you are reading. You mean something like that? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. Seems, uh, seems about like that. It's, that was a government official, too, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, I think she was with the CDC, actually. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate the phone call. Thank you. Any thoughts on what Dan had to say, Aaron? Well, I, I think... I think what he said at the beginning, that's completely reasonable. Here's, here's where I'm at with this, with this virus. If, if you're in um, otherwise uh, good condition, you're going to be, you're, you're probably going to be fine. You're, you're most likely going to be fine because it just presents like a common cold. Uh, if you are, if you have underlying issues, which is what uh, most of these deaths are from, you have reason to be concerned if I think a reasonable a reasonable uh, stance is you know wash your hands. I wash my hands quite a quite a bit. Uh, I use hand sanitizer quite. A, I'm I don't know. You've seen it before when when you've asked me to read through things on your computer. I will use hand sanitizer because mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to be trying to be conscious of that. Um, if you have loved ones who are older who have pre existing conditions, it's okay to be a little bit concerned about them. Uh, the the other you know legit concern is that. You know, it's a novel virus. If everybody gets sick at the same time, that's obviously not good. But guess what? Like most colds, uh, you'll you'll be able to recover from it fairly quickly. That's, you know, it, it worst case scenario. A bunch of people, I'm talking millions. This is absolutely worst, 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 worst case scenario. A bunch of people get sick at the exact same time. That's not a that's obviously not a good thing. That's probably not going to happen because we have a lot better healthcare system and we have a lot better sanitize, uh, sanitization practices in this in this country than the rest of the world. So it's just I mean, it's 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 a huge panic about basically nothing. I mean, the CDC is uh, kind of lagging behind tracking now new c- cases of coronavirus because states are self-reporting. As of this morning, there were around uh, 560 some cases in the country so far in 2019. I read the stat on from the CDC on estimated uh, flu deaths, and it's in the you know it's in the tens of thousands every year. So, comparatively speaking, come on, and quit fighting over toilet paper. And I guarantee you that there's way more than 560 in the U.S. Yeah. And, that, and that should make you feel better, actually, mm-hmm. because it means that the hospitalization and death rate is even far lower than they're reporting. Exactly. You, most people who get this are never going to tell anybody. They're going to feel like they had a cold. They're not going to go nuts. Listen, most people who contracted polio had the symptoms of a common cold. And by most, I mean like 90 to 95 percent. This is not in any, and if you had not seen China, go full China, and and this thing seems like, is was it bat soup? Was it from the virus lab that happens to be in Wuhan, and therefore China uh, perhaps uh, overreacted? But that's just also China, you know, uh, we don't like kids, and so therefore, if you have too many, we'll kill them. That's China. The, the, 
we saw with their own eyes people being loaded into vans, smoke machines, and because we over here are prone to being fear-based on any number of things, and politically, right now, everything, as Steve already diagnosed, must be dialed up to 11 for effect. It... We, we were, there's no way that this was not going to go to DEF, which one we discussed this. Yes, DEF CON 1's the lowest, DEFCON, yeah. DEF CON, there's no way yeah. it wasn't going to go to DEF CON 5, like 0 to 60 like that. This is, the, the virus, as Aaron said. I think DEF CON 1 is like the worst. <laughs> yes. I we always get it backwards. We're doing Steve CON now. Steve CON is right. 5. Thank you. Steve yes, Con. we can stop messing that up. This is primarily psychological and of for donald trump of all people honestly when he he basically went aaron Rodgers, relax he's right he's absolutely right let's go to giles next who is in florida which has a very high senior citizen population obviously so giles what say you about coronavirus what are your thoughts i think it's an absolute annoyance and great to talk to you guys the problem is that the annoyance for everybody else is now causing a whole sky is falling proposition, proposition, and we're feeling the effects of it. So what could be a normal day for us is now, you know, we can't go anywhere, we can't do this, we can't do that, uh, clients are dropping, our normal world is being turned mm -hmm. upside down by a bunch of people. It's not, I mean, if this was the Second World War in England, it was... Bombs dropping, people dying, streets gone, and everyone's still oh, just have a cup of tea, let's uh, walk on, keep calm, carry on. But now all the millennials are walking around with their keep calm t-shirts, and they're hiding in bunkers because of the coronavirus. It's just absolutely crazy. What are your thoughts, Aaron? Thanks for the call, Giles. Literally, as as Giles was calling in. Cool my, voice, my, by the way. Yes, by the way. Wish um, I had that. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. My buddy Andrew, who manages a, a radio station in, in rural Minnesota, um, he he was telling me earlier earlier this week or late last week, I should say, that a couple of his clients backed out on on advertising deals with the station because they're worried about the economy tanking because of coronavirus. He just while Giles was on the phone, he just texted me again out of the blue saying that he had two clients today bump elbows with him instead of shake his hand because they were afraid of of the coronavirus in rural Minnesota. So absolutely an annoyance yes i you know i think that i don't know if i should say what i'm about to say todd just coughed do you have the coronavirus it's over. Yeah. see you guys nice knowing you you know what let me think about it for a minute let's let's get some social media thoughts first all right let me because maybe i shouldn't all right so, Todd, well, what's, what, what, give us a few that have stood out couple. to you from our Facebook page. Well, I'm with Dave Whalen here. I'm never more calm than when politicians and yes. the media are telling me to panic. Yep. There you go. Jonathan Wagner, I'm going to read this one because I agree with some of it and I disagree with some, with it, some of it. And I think that's where a lot of people will be uh, if they're sober-minded. Uh, the coronavirus has shown how fragile our economic system truly is. People have become complacent to just expecting shelves to be stocked. 75% of Americans have less than three days supply of food in their homes. 75% have less than $1,000 in savings. 25% say missing one paycheck would mean they couldn't pay some of their bills for for the month 20 percent of world gdp comes from china 40 cargo ships to los angeles have been canceled or 20 percent of la port imports for quarter one 
I find that fascinating because I I agree with the the last part. There's realities of what this the repercussions of how far this goes because of the decisions people make. But it's not. Be, I, I I just disagree with the first part. It's our, our economic system is the opposite of fragile. It is a stubborn cuss, and there that's why it's like the the envy of all of human history, what it is capable uh, of enduring. The simple fact that most, you know, we, there's no utopia being me. Uh, it's not like a, it's not a disaster waiting to happen just because some people do live paycheck to paycheck. That's not a. No, but I, I, I think there is merit to his point in that despite all those fundamentals, I mean, the white house is going to host a, a, a meeting with a bunch of wall street leaders here this week. And Why? Because despite all these fundamentals, people are divesting on Wall Street, divesting from NASDAQ, divesting from the from the stock market. You know, I've got another friend of mine that uh, owns his own radio show in another state, had three of his clients, that show's very successful, three of his clients canceled on him, and this was the for, the for the next quarter, and it's because they're anticipating a slowdown where you do end up creating self-fulfilling prophecies yeah. where a lot of recessions and a lot of this stuff is psychological. The expect- Yes, that's and, not and, economic and it, fragility, though. And, but, but it, and it works the other way. I mean, before Trump actually did any policies, any tax cuts, got rid of a single regulation, we saw the economy immediately begin to bounce back after this last election under the expectation that all right, a guy that actually isn't afraid of making a buck is going to run the country and um, will make it safe for us to come out of mm-hmm. hiding and start investing and ca- and do capital gains and stuff again, right? Yeah. I think that could very well be what he is alluding to is that the psychology, the fundamentals are strong, but this, but ultimately, just as I often say, we're not a nation of laws, but a nation of political will. Same thing is true, particularly in, your, in, a, in a fiat economy where you're driven by a currency that is not really backed by anything other than our military superiority and the perception of us as a superpower, right? Then this, the psychology surrounding that absolutely can be, um, uh, can be manipulated and, and cause things to happen. We talked about this two weeks ago with the idea that Bernie Sanders could be the nominee that you could see, yeah. a, you could see, a, you could see, where his nomination causes a bear market to occur, people, you know, preemptively in fear of what his presidency could do, thus creating the very sort of economic environment that might cause the American people to vote for a guy like that in the first place, where if things were prosperous, they would not, right? Right. I think that could be kind of what he's alluding to there, is the psychology of the, but, the fundamentals are strong, but the psychology of the people that that um, that take advantage of them or not, choose not to, that could be weak. Well, because he mentioned so many specifics, though, in terms of savings and things like that, I thought he was making more of an economic argument than psychological. And I, you're talking more about the Black Mirror experiment that I fundamentally well, because of some of the things believe he said, this to be. Most Americans are in a negative saving zone, things of that nature. We're all far more prone. Like, listen, a whole bunch of people got raises two years ago because of, because corporations gave them to them in reaction to their view of the market well it works the other way as well if the market if they view the market is not going to grow and their stock price is not going to increase those same people may not get those bonuses or may get layoffs 
right? The, the psychology associated with this, because I think that's what's driving the vast majority of this. Yes, the psychology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think and, the, I think the media and the system is driving. They they're fine with a recession. They're fine tanking the system. I don't think they even. I don't think that most of the old people that that that, are, that would be infected the most by this would vote for a Donald Trump over over a Democrat anyway. So they don't care. I, I think I think they're trying to drive the psychology of this. Is what I believe. I totally, totally agree with that. And I would just add as well, and, and, you know, in a month from now, in a month from now, this is the world in which we live. This is the crazy voices in our, in our head. This is the theme of the show this year. Assume you're being lied to. A month from now, it's already kind of unseasonably warm here in the Midwest. A month from now, when it's getting warmer across the board and you're less likely to have hordes of people indoors with each other at the same time and people are outdoors more often because the the, the temperatures are warmer and so there's less of a likelihood maybe of spreading mm-hmm. viruses. It could be that this thing in a month has already kind of run its course for the most part. Uh, It is novel so that, you know, it doesn't always work that swiftly. But for the most part, we could be sitting here a month from now and saying uh, Corona who. Uh, But that's just the reality of of the world in which we live. Any final thoughts from Facebook you want to share with us? Uh, Give me a minute because there are, but I I need to... Well, a minute is about all we have. No, well then, no, we're going to go too far... uh, too deep but uh i think it's not even novel anymore the list of swine flus and h1n1s and things like that uh this isn't novelty but we still never learn and this may be a worse strain than all of those we don't know that but here's the thing if it's if it's if, if it's of a biblical origin your surgical masks and your hand sanitizer have no shot number one Number two, you, you ought to just, a lot of the things you're panicking about now, you ought to just be a, make a part of your regular staple in life anyway. Anyway. So you're, you're basically talking about if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, but yeah. that's about like what our show is on like almost every yeah. issue, let, uh, whether we're talking about a bio agent or not. Yes. So be prudent, be aware, but don't, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't exert any extra energy or panic over this. I wouldn't ignore it when put my head in the sand either, okay? But I, I would treat this like a lot of the other situations that we are encouraged to panic about. Be informed, be prudent, take self-government seriously, do your own homework, get multiple sources because we're running out of of, of places that you can trust anymore. And so you kind of have to piece things together from multiple, di- multiple different outlets nowadays and, and just, you know, adjust accordingly. That's what I would do, but I'm weird. You know, I, I, I just refuse to be manipulated. I, I'd encourage others to do likewise. Thank you for tuning in here today. On the Blaze. We'll be back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.